on this week's episode of Orange Juice Optional, we are going to be taking a trip to a cherry farm in Michigan. Of course, I'm talking about the book Tom Lake by Ann Patchett. It was captivating. We loved it. And we're so excited to share it with you. So stay tuned. optional. I'm Michelle and today I'm here as always with my very good friend Suzanne. Hi Suzanne, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you Michelle? I'm doing really well and I haven't been dealing with jet lag which I know is something that (laughs) you're currently going through. So how's that going for you? It's actually going a lot better than I anticipated. So I'm doing pretty well actually. that's, That's a win. It is a win. It, it's a big win. Because you were, where you were at, it was like 15 hours ahead of where your current time zone is. So it's not even like anywhere right. near. And I know we're going to do, we're going to dedicate a whole episode to my trip to Singapore and to Tokyo. But yeah, 17 hour flight and then 15 hours ahead of where we're at. And we crossed the international date line. And I honestly thought I would never survive. (laughs) But surprisingly, it was not hard at all. It was it was pretty easy to adapt. Well, that's really good to hear. And you're here with us today. So yay, I'm going to take that as a complete win. Yeah, absolutely. And while you were traveling, you had time to finish the book of the month for October. Yes, I did, which, as you know, Ann Patchett, the author, is one of my favorite authors. But I am going to just preface our conversation with, because of jet lag, both going and coming, I, as I was reading the book, there were several times where I fell asleep reading the book. <laughs> and But it was because I was tired, not because I didn't enjoy the book. So no offense to the author. It's just right. you don't right. stop. It was, right. So it took me a while to, it took me a lot longer to read this book than most books. Usually I can bang out a book in a weekend, but this one, not so much. Well, I will admit that I was listening to this book on a flight between Las Vegas and Texas, and I did doze off during that yeah. flight. But I went back and listened because, of course, I was doing the audio version. So I can do that. That's a perk of the audio version. Right. Although I also on one of my flights, or I'm not sure if I was on a flight or where I was, but I did try listening again and decided the audio just does not work for me because I would fall asleep. I'd be listening and I'd fall asleep and then I'd have to go back to it. And then it's like, dang it, (laughs) this is wasting my time. But you do know who the voice was for the audio version, right? Yes, Meryl Streep. Yes, and she did an amazing job. So I thoroughly enjoyed the book, but why don't we just jump right in? Okay, sounds good to me. Okay, so it's a week delayed, but we are coming to you today with... October's Book Club, where the book was Tom Lake by Ann Patchett. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love this book for 
so many reasons. Suzanne, what were your thoughts on it? Oh, I loved it as well. But as I've said many times, Ann Patchett, favorite author of mine. So I knew I was going to love it. But so I'm more interested to hear your thoughts. Okay, well, we'll get to that in just a minute. But did you love it to begin with just because you knew it was one of your favorite authors? So you went into it with, with that, I'm going to love it. <laughs> yeah, that preconceived notion. I went into it knowing I would probably love it because I think I've read, I haven't read all of her books, but I've read the majority of her books. And there isn't one that I haven't just loved. So I did go in knowing I would probably love it. Okay. Did it live up to that hype for you? I mean, you did love it. Yeah, I did. I absolutely did. Okay. Well, the first thing I want to say about this book, because I hadn't read any of it when I made this comment. It's when I introduced mm -hmm. it about a month ago. I said, mm -hmm. is her name Laura or Laura? I really don't know because having no you throws me. Right. And damned if that wasn't part of the first chapter of the book where her name was Laura. It was spelled with a U, but then she was helping out at auditions for Our Town and decided to go audition herself. And she thought Lara mm -hmm. minus a U was a better stage name. So yeah. I was like, that's really cool because I called it before I even read anything. Yep, I know. And oh. well, you've already made reference to Old Town, which we can maybe talk about further. But that was one of the things that I loved about the book, too, is the 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 reference to Old Town. Our um, town. So it's not our, our your, I think our I called town. it Old Town, but it's our town. No, our town. Our town. <laughs> and I knew that. <laughs> but um, there's a re she references that play because it's an integral part of her story. But it it's like um, Sleepless in Seattle, where they reference the movie um, Love in the Afternoon. And it makes you want to go watch the movie Love in the Afternoon. And it's yeah. kind of like that in this book. It's like she references our town so often that it makes you want to go back to our town and read that story again. I think she purposely wrote this book with the same, I don't want to say cadence, but the same style as Our Town was written. Well, I've never seen a version of Our Town anywhere. So I could probably tell you a little bit about the play just mm -hmm. based on this book, but I've never mm -hmm. seen a production of it. I don't even know if there's a movie of it, but I am curious about it because not only is it such a big part of the story, it actually mm -hmm. became such a big part of her own identity as the person portraying right. the main character, Emily. So much so that she named one of her daughters Emily. Right. Right. So just before we get any further, why don't we give a quick synopsis of the book? Um, I know you don't like to do that, Suzanne. <laughs> I don't. I don't. So I will try to. So this book is about... A mother. She is currently about 57 years old. She is living with her husband and her three grown-up daughters have come back home to their cherry farm in Michigan because of COVID. So mm -hmm. this is a story that takes place when basically the whole world has shut down. 
And these three daughters come back knowing that their mom has a little bit of a history with a famous actor, Peter Duke. They call Mm -hmm. him Duke. And so the mom decides to share the story of what actually happened. And the way it was all brought together, the way that she took present time and past Mm -hmm. and brought them together, I thought she did a fabulous job. It wasn't like jumping timelines, even though it was because she would be telling the story and then one of her daughters would interrupt with a question and that's how she would bring the present back in. Or they get to a point where she's like, I just got to take a break. And Mm -hmm. I loved how she did that. Right. And I did too. I loved how she, how she did past and present, how the, how she wrote it. Plus how she didn't separate the characters where you have one chapter that's all about Lara and then you have a chapter that's about Emily and then you have a chapter chapter that's about Nell. You know what I'm saying? Yes, it was completely integrated the, and the it flow was the story. Was amazing. Yeah, it was it was the whole story which I loved that about the book because I felt like I felt like I was picking because she was telling the story she started because their cherry picking crew couldn't come to work because of COVID. So as a family, they had to go out and harvest the cherries off in their cherry orchard. And so by passing the time of day while they picked cherries is how she started telling her story of her past. Yes. And then it was so cool how she's telling the story and the girls are like, oh, I know this part. I know this part. But they had no idea. They had created in their own mind right. versions of the story that fit their narrative. So they didn't really know any of They knew key details, but they right. didn't actually know the flow of it, which I thought was so wonderful. And I will say, listening, and I'm trying to find the right words to put this so it shows my frame of mind. But Mm -hmm. how cool is that to get to revisit and share a part of who you were? Because your daughters never knew that version of you. Your kids, like I'm putting it into my own life. My boys never knew that part of me. I'm not sure that they'd ever really ask, like explain the story and there's no famous actor involved. But- I just loved it. I I just right. love that she got to share who she was and they got to, by the end, see her in a different light. So I have so much to say about that <laughs> because it's like a brilliant way to use that isolating time to share with your children that other version of you that they never knew. And and it, it I go back to the weeks after my dad died. He died... I don't know, 25, 26, maybe even longer ago than that. And the weeks after he died, I went, I went into this, um, I won't say panic mode, but this, this feeling of, I knew nothing about my dad except he was my dad. And it's like, how could I not know anything about my dad <laughs> except that he was my dad? And I had this insatiable desire to, find out as much about him before I was born that I could. And what happened with me is I talked to my aunt, my dad's sister, extensively during those 
weeks because she was the one that had the answers. My mom was still deep in grief. And so I couldn't really at that time talk to her. But I just, I mean, I asked my aunt so many questions about my dad's childhood and about how he decided to become a pastor and what were his thoughts when he moved to Alaska and all of the things that never even occurred to me. And in this book, all of those feelings came sweeping back to me like, oh my gosh, she's sharing all of this with her daughters. The other thing is we really got to know the personality of the daughters based on her storytelling. You know, it it was like those daughters' characters developed based on how she knew her daughters. And the insights that she had into who they are. That Yeah, and their personalities. And so, which I thought was another brilliant way to write this book. It's like, so we weren't hearing necessarily from Nell unless it was through her questions to her mom. You see what I'm saying? And, And as time went on, that's how we got to know those three daughters. And their perception of who their mom was and how those perceptions changed. It was incredibly written and everything you say is spot on. I'm just thinking back to the book and reading it. And there was a part of the book, which it happened quite often through the book where you could tell that the girls knew this part of the story. The main character, Laura, was telling about her first visit to the farm and how she had three other people who invited themselves along. And it was the first time she saw the farm that she's living in today. Mm -hmm. And just how the girls are like, well, speed up. Yes, this is where you met dad and you fell in love and you threw the other guy out because you fell in love with dad. Well, you didn't know that up until that point. Right, Um, right. So she's getting to like the points that the girls knew and then filling in the details from there. So it's like they've been engaged. They knew the story. They made up their own in-between parts. But now they get to hear it all and how they react and how – it wasn't always pleasant, like their reaction. Sometimes they got upset by something they heard, mm-hmm. but by the end, it kind of all melded together into this wonderful insight that we often, yes. as you said, don't have into, we don't have with our parents because maybe we didn't ask the questions or we didn't think to ask the question. Exactly. Because we just assume, I think as children and then children becoming adults, unless you're driven to know those answers. Like, for example, when my dad died and I felt that need to know because all of a sudden it was too late to know. Yeah, as children, your mind doesn't think like that because I think you're you're born a self-absorbed human where it's all about you and the world revolves around you. And so you don't even realize that there was a life before you. And as adults now, as we're the age of our parents, as we remember them, we know the lives we've had, the lives we've had before our children, and they were long, extensive, complicated lives. But our children don't know any of that unless we offer it. Because they only want to know the portions where they're involved. <laughs> and right, because they're family because, members, because they're absorbed, like you said, be, like we all yeah, are. I've been there. Right. Yeah, where the world revolves around them and their lives. And And until they have adult children, 
they will look at their lives differently because they see the two components of their lives, which there are more than two components of your life, but that children, that component before children and the component after children. But along those same lines, it's like, what a beautiful way to spend COVID, which at the time, I'm sure they weren't thinking, the characters weren't thinking in terms of, but to use COVID as this time to connect and to let together as a family and and let your children know more about you than it actually what they see on the surface. I think it's wonderful because there are quite a few services and I can't remember if you've used one, but where you can send your parents, your grandparents, a book or a question where Mm -hmm. if they take the time to answer it, then Mm -hmm. you can put them all in a book and you can learn a little bit more about them that way. I Mm -hmm. think you've said you've done that before and it's brilliant. I have. Well, I've, okay, so. If they do it. Right, if they do it. So here's what, how that has evolved because there is, there's a wonderful website. um, It's called storyworth.com. And they generate questions based on when I signed up for it, they gave me probably a thousand questions to go through. And I select the one, the questions that I want answers to from my parent or from my, in this case, my aunt. And then they, I give them my parents email address. They send the question to her. She answers, she types out her answer and then she just hits send and it goes back to them. They compile it, they turn it into a book. Well, of course, neither my aunt nor my mom took the time. They they wanted to, they had every intention to, but they never did. So when my mom was in the rehab hospital when she fell several months ago, I sat in the room with her and I verbally asked her some of the questions. Well, when you have nothing else to do, and she had all the time in the world, and she didn't make the connection that I was taking these questions from storyworth.com. But then I would record her conversation. So really what I could do is I could create the book. Like I could answer those questions on her behalf, send it in, and then they could still create the book. I haven't done that yet, but... That could be my thought. And then I did the same thing with my aunt when she visited uh, Alaska last summer. We had a whole week of just visiting. So yeah, we I gave her some of those questions and she loved talking about it. She loved sharing the answers to those questions. So anyway, I've gotten off on a tangent, but... No, not really. So let me ask you this question because you have grown kids. Have any of them asked more about your life before them or have you started filling in some of those details because you were kind of a wild one at times? (laughs) I have a little bit of a past. Not so much, but my son's wife has asked me a lot of questions. She's also done that with my mom where she has sat with my mom and asked my mom questions. So I think especially my son has um, learned a lot about me through his wife because she asks me questions. But my kids, not so much. What about your kids? Not so much. Not so much. But I didn't live a super wild life before. You know, (laughs) I kind of (laughs) 
<laughs> was pretty boring until I don't know when, but still there's a story there. And if right. we get back to, to the book, I do love how the mom kind of censored part of her story. Yeah, like, she calls no, it her, her yeah, PG version. Her PG version and this part I'm saving just for myself. This part I don't share with anyone, including my current husband today. So right. I kind of loved how she did that. So I was thinking, would I have to go PG version any of my story? And I'm like, oh, probably not. <laughs> probably <laughs> not. It was probably G-rated to begin with. So pretty boring. But that being said, there have been a lot of times now that all of my children are adults and all of my nieces and nephews who grew up around my children are adults, there are a lot of things from their childhood when they're just too little to remember, they were too young to remember, that happened in our extended family that I a lot of times forget they weren't old enough to be a part of that. So I occasionally see questions come up where I'll answer like they already know. And then I realize, oh, wait, you were only three. You wouldn't remember this. So yeah, there's something to be said about how you present your past to your children. I agree with that. And, you know, the two other points that I want to make is one, she was very good about going back because her story, in particular, the Tom Lake Portion. So it started before mm -hmm. that, took place in 1988. And she did a good job also in capturing how different the world was in 1988. Right. Having to use a payphone, and it was like $7 worth of coins to get in touch with her, her soon-to-be agent, and all the things that did not yet exist back then. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I really love that point. And then the other thing that... You know, I could tell teenage girls this is the story mm -hmm. between Laura and Duke and listening to what a freaking asshole he was to her <laughs> right? and to see that. But she was still so googly eyed and in love with him and ready to believe yeah. anything and to jump to his assistance. That yeah. was me. That was oh. me. And so I couldn't falter in that. But that really made me reflect a lot on the fact that. I really like jerks and <laughs> I couldn't see their jerkiness, I guess is the best way to put it. And right. I did have those googly eyes and I was willing to put everything I wanted to do aside in order yeah. to be that person for them, which is a doormat. And yeah, right. that's just something I had oh, to sit that, with during this yeah. book. Yeah. Isn't that did you feel funny? that at all? To some degree. Not not too much. I I didn't connect as much with that, but um, but I hear what you're saying, definitely. Yeah. So relationships are interesting, and so it gave a good look into young love, first love, yeah. and now mature love, and like seeing the difference. She did a really good job painting the difference between between right. the two. I thought. Well, and I did, and I felt like, which I think we've already discussed, we just haven't identified it, is the complexity of the mother-daughter relationship that that evolves. We learn more and more throughout the book and how she identifies the personalities of each of her daughters and um, 
know and predicting how they're going to react to the next part of the story she's going to tell. Um, I just, I loved that. I loved it. I did too. I, I think Ann Patchett did a wonderful job in this book um, mm -hmm. connecting, I would say, to multiple generations. Like, it really right. spoke to my heart. But I'm thinking if you're a 20-some, 30-some, it would speak to you also because you will probably see parts of yourself in the story right. and in that relationship you have with your parents. I, I'm not a girl mom, but right. um, I am a boy mom. It's a little bit different, but still there's right. a dynamic there. And oh, absolutely. They could ask the questions. They could ask me about my past. Yeah, and I think at some point they will. I think at some point, especially probably when they have children, I think those questions will come up or similar questions. I hope I have wonderful answers for them and not just something that they're going to fall asleep to. <laughs> it's the right. audio version of my life and they're going to fall asleep. Well, I don't think that's true, but I do <laughs> think there's some, as long as your answers are truthful, as long as what you tell them is truthful, how you present it is one thing, but if it's truthful, I think they're going to be interested. They're going to be captivated no matter how G rated you think it is. Right. And I only approach things like that with the honest answer, boring or not. And, you know, right. I lived the life, so I'm probably thinking it's more boring than it actually was. Right. Exactly. So let me ask you this question real quick before we wrap it up. We were talking about that young love, that feeling. Do you think girls today approach relationships differently? than that? Do you think because we've come so far, we have so much more technology, many times no. they're much more mature? You, Hell no. You think no. that dynamic still exists? I think that dynamic absolutely exists. I think it's part of life. I think it's part of the, yeah. I think, I think universally, no matter what social media offers us, no matter how we meet people, that young love dynamic doesn't change. I agree. And as I was asking the question, I'm like, this is kind of a stupid question, but not really. I'll just no. keep asking it because it's already coming out of my mouth. And I, I agree right. with you. I, there's yeah. something about young love and figuring that out for the first time and then right. being able to recognize right. in the future what a difference there is. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But I do hate the thought of, young girls going through that or young guys. It could be reversed. It could totally be a reverse right. situation. So. Well, I think guys go through that in a different way, but I think they absolutely go through similar situations. But I think it's universal. I think, I think you can't protect them from it. You can't. It's teenage angst, right. I guess is the right word. And all right. the John Hughes movies about about it and whatever is a current movie about it. I know right. that theme is still there. So yeah. anything else you'd like to say about Tom Lake before we wrap up? Well, no, but I do want to highly, not only highly recommend this book because it was amazing, but Bel Canto is another book of Ann Patchett's that I highly recommend. It was one of the first books that she wrote that I read probably 20 years ago, at least 20 years ago, loved that book. Um, Patron Saint of Liars is in my top 10 books of all time. Just an amazing story. 
And then The Dutch House, which I think she was nominated for a Pulitzer Prize on The Dutch House. But all three of those books are as amazing as this one and highly recommend her as an author to read. She's just phenomenal. I agree. And I will say of the books we've read, this is very high up in my favorites. And I think we've only been doing it six months, seven months. So maybe more, but yeah, out of the books, I I really enjoyed this one. We should do a ranking of our book club books, maybe in a future episode and how we we place them. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Okay. Well, here might be a good place before we wrap up the episode for you to remind the listeners of the book we'll be reading in the month of November. (laughs) Oh, God, I know I told you before I went to Singapore, and I cannot for the life of me remember what I told you. So I could totally mess with you right now and think of some book I want to read, but I do remember. (laughs) Okay, well, you can share it with us. Or I can just totally blow off that book and pick another one. But what was it that I suggested? (laughs) Okay, the book that you suggested or the book that we told people we were reading because that was aired last week is The First Ladies by Marie Benedict and Victoria Christopher Murray. Now, you can't go changing your mind, Suzanne, because I've already downloaded it and it cost me like 20 bucks. Oh, well, (laughs) got to read it now. I do want to read it. I do want to read it. But I'm laughing because because of my recent experience to Singapore and Tokyo, I have a list of three books that are my future list of books to read. But First Ladies, I stand by that choice. And yes, we'll we'll read that one. Okay. Well, with that, we will go ahead and move on to closing. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us for October's Book of the Month, which, again, was Tom Lake by Ann Patchett. It was a walk down memory lane. So I wonder how many people out there are relating to what we shared. It's going to be a great read. If you haven't already read it, you're going to love it. Yeah, it it will really touch back probably into your own life and relationships with your own kids. Suzanne, so with all that shared, I think you have something for us to sip on this week. I do. And it's it's an actually an excerpt from our book. And it's a little bit long, so bear with me. There is no explaining this simple truth about life. You will forget much of it. The painful things you were certain you'd never be able to let go of. Now, you're not entirely sure when they happened, while the thrilling parts, the hot, heart-stopping joys, splintered and scattered, all became something else. Memories are then replaced by different joys and larger sorrows, and unbelievably, those things get knocked aside as well. Your story just becomes a story. Your story just becomes a story. Those words are going to echo. Thank you so much for sharing that. And again, that was Ann Patchett from the book Tom Lake. Until next week, everyone. Cheers. Cheers.